Hi there, it's me, Malika. We have some great new episodes, including series coming up on the take that we're excited to share with you. While we're working on those, we've been keeping an eye on developments to a few stories that have progressed since we last aired them. Today, we're bringing you an update on one of them. It seems like with every new headline, the number of COVID cases from the Delta variant is rising, even in countries that had vaccinated most of their populations. One of the starkest examples of that reverse is in Israel. It thought it had vaccinated its way out of the pandemic, but now Israel is in the midst of its fourth wave. In the U.S., more children are contracting the virus, and the number of cases for adults under 50 is the highest it's ever been. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control. It's bad, and it's getting worse. The U.S. is now seeing 124,000 new COVID cases every day, the highest rate since February. As U.S. officials weigh offering vaccine booster shots, the World Health Organization is arguing the rest of the world needs those vaccines first. Today, we're bringing you an update and a reminder of what the Delta variant is and why it's so concerning, especially for the unvaccinated. If we compare the original strain early on in this pandemic and what we're dealing with now, for example, with Delta, I mean, it's night and day. Did global inequality around science and technology help the Delta variant spread? What's the effect on parts of the world that aren't vaccinated yet? And what about the parts of the world that are? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Dr. Saira Madad, who you just heard from, has been working on containing COVID from the beginning. I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist here in New York City. I help with the healthcare system response, along with the public health response to COVID-19. That means she helps international bodies like the World Health Organization and the UN on the fight against Ebola, Zika, and other diseases. And she's helping India with a surge of COVID cases caused by the Delta variant. A variant Dr. Anthony Fauci at the U.S. National Institutes of Health describes as a very serious threat. The Delta variant is currently the greatest threat in the U.S. to our attempt to eliminate COVID-19. But before we get too deep into the latest strain, you need to know a little bit more about Dr. Madad. Her whole life has been devoted to making sure the world is prepared to fight a pandemic. And it all started when she was just a kid. So from what I've read, your career dreams were inspired by the movies. Yeah, so at a very young age, I would say, you know, around the age of nine or ten, I watched the the movie Outbreak. A small monkey is captured, bound for a pet store in America. The animal carries a deadly virus. One of the best sellers now, given the current COVID-19 pandemic. I was watching this movie with my elder siblings, and a point that probably got me the most interested is not so much when they were out in the field trying to figure out what was happening, but in the hospital setting. Dr. Daniels, there's something I think you should see. When you're seeing so many people come in and get sick. It's airborne. And they realized that the disease was airborne. And so while obviously in real life, things don't always happen the way that it happens in Hollywood movies. 
I think it did a good job depicting the fear and the anxiety that comes with it. And then the adrenaline rush. I think for me, having, for example, responded to Ebola, I remember coworkers sending me this card and they said, you know, when people were running away from Ebola, you were running towards it. What's wrong with you? But that's exactly it. You know, for us, it's helping people as much as we can. We're in it because we love what we do. And I'm glad that you're in it because it's ironic. You were inspired in part by a movie at the beginning of the pandemic when we're all at home, beginning our lockdowns, not leaving the house, scrolling through all of our streaming platforms, looking for something to watch. I stumbled across a documentary on Netflix called Pandemic, How to Prevent an Outbreak. A hundred years ago, a deadly influenza virus infected hundreds of millions of people, somewhere in the order of 50 to 100 million deaths. Filmed in 2019 and then 2020 came the pandemic. And while it scared me, it also reassured me. I felt comforted because you were featured in it. Yeah, we have received reports of an outbreak of respiratory illness. Make sure you have a good seal. Give me a thumb. And you were featured showcasing your work on how to prevent and prepare for something that would eventually end up happening. Unofficial case count is about over 220 with eight deaths. So what do you make of how prepared the world actually was? A lot of what it was showing is maintaining a state of readiness, active preparedness. We need to make sure that not only do we have the infrastructure in place, but we have to continue to maintain it and make sure we're all up in our competencies, if you will. And when the curtain goes up, like in a true pandemic, you're actually seeing how things play out. Well, did COVID-19 take us all by surprise? Certainly. Were we surprised that this was going to happen? Absolutely not. We know that these are events that are going to continue to happen. And we just need to make sure that we are pivoting away from a just-in-time strategy to a just-in-case, knowing that these things are going to continue to happen. So speaking of surprises, we're hearing a lot right now about the Delta variant. The Delta variant first discovered in India is making itself at home in Europe. The new Delta variant of the novel coronavirus is more infectious and health experts say a serious threat to eradicating the disease. The health ministry has confirmed a case of the first person to enter Chile from the U.S. infected with the Delta variant. Were you surprised by this variant? We know that just virology 101, viruses mutate, that's what they do. But I think what did surprise us is just the sheer magnitude of the various variants of concern that have been coming out from the beginning of this pandemic. This is certainly very concerning because the more that the virus spreads, the more it mutates and the more likelihood we are going to have more variants of concern. So today is Delta. Tomorrow it could be Zebra or any other kind of, you know, variant that we don't know about uh, that can emerge and threaten our vaccine-induced immunity. Can you trace for us the trail of this Delta variant as far as you know? Sure. The Delta variant, or the B1617, it started in India in October. It quickly became a variant of concern for many countries. And so certainly when we look at India and other countries, genomic surveillance is not as prevalent. Genomic surveillance is disease detective work. It's working with these small little clues or blueprints or genes to kind of piece together where it first started. It's hard work. It takes time. Could we have detected this Delta variant sooner? For example, in India, certainly if there was a better infrastructure, and that's where we want to make sure we're investing more in many countries around the world because it affects all of us. 
So what do we know about the Delta variant exactly? What is it? Is it more transmissible? Is it more deadly? So the Delta variant started in October, and now it has spread around the world. Originally, it was called a double mutant because it had two specific types of mutations on the spike protein that made it much more transmissible and much more virulent, if you will. And what we're seeing is that it has evolved over time. And you're seeing the Delta Plus, which is a sublineage. And what we know about the Delta Plus is that, you know, it has some additional mutations and characteristics that makes it more transmissible. Dr. Madad says all of that means that mutations are continuing. And that's giving rise, she says, to even faster-growing variants. In terms of it having more of a, a severe outcome in a clinical course, that's still yet to be seen. There are studies being conducted right now. But it is much more transmissible. So when we look at, for example, the B117 or the Alpha variant first detected in the UK, and everyone was saying it's more transmissible than the original SARS-CoV virus, when we talk about Delta, it is even more transmissible than the Alpha variant. So that is very concerning. You're seeing it having an impact in UK. You're seeing it have an impact in Israel and many countries around the world, and particularly those that are unvaccinated. So the big message here is if you are unvaccinated, you can protect yourself by getting a COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccines help ensure people stay out of the hospital with severe cases and stay alive. But even for those who are vaccinated, Delta could still be a concern. Back in June, a number of Israelis fully vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine came down with infections from the Delta variant. Israel then reimposed indoor mask use. But even after that, they're now facing a surge in cases. This is what Dr. Marie Angela Simo, an assistant director general with the WHO, was saying about protecting yourself from Delta back in June. Vaccine alone won't stop the community transmission. People need to continue to use masks consistently, be in ventilated spaces, hand hygiene, physical distance, avoid crowding. This still continues to be extremely important, even if you're vaccinated. In most of Africa and many countries in Asia, people haven't had their first shot yet. I asked Dr. Madad what the Delta variant means for them. What kind of concerns are those parts of the world sharing in light of this new Delta variant? Vaccine equity needs to continue to be up front and center. We need to continue to discuss it. We don't have enough vaccines distributed in those countries. If you're looking at the projections, we're looking at 2023 when we have more widespread vaccines available in those countries. Iran is also seeing a Delta surge with only 12% of the population vaccinated. And now we're seeing the Lambda variant as the dominant variant in Argentina, Chile, and Colombia. It was first spotted in Peru a year ago. The pandemic is far from over. Now, we have two pandemics. We have a pandemic that we're seeing in the resource-rich countries in the United States and the UK with the amazing vaccine rollout that we have going in these countries. And then we have another pandemic that is creating much more havoc. You're seeing many more cases and hospitalization and death in the lower income countries. For example, just in Africa, you're seeing a pretty big hotspot there in multiple different nations. To better understand how the Delta variant is affecting this other pandemic on the African continent, we called up Dr. Salam Gay in Brazzaville, the capital of the Republic of Congo in Central Africa. 
He works with the World Health Organization there. I'm the Regional Emergency Director for WHO, and I'm in charge of health emergencies. And Dr. Gay says for Africa, the timing of the Delta variant's arrival was not good. We do worry because there is around 1% of the population that are vaccinated, and there is a new variant that arrived increasing. And uh, what is happening in other parts of the world, for example, in India, if it happened in Africa, we can expect results that are at least similar or worse. West Africa is now seeing a surge from COVID, along with cases of Ebola and other outbreaks, according to the World Health Organization. Until now, African countries have been getting a hold of the vaccine in one of three ways. Bilaterally, where countries are working directly with companies or other countries in order to get the vaccine directly. So far, uh, bilateral is providing more vaccine for the countries. The problem is that uh, those who are making the vaccine was already ordered by other countries that have a higher processing power. And uh, when we compete with other countries, other countries won. Then there's COVAX, a partnership with the WHO that's working to get vaccines to the world's lower income countries. Africa is among those 92 countries. So far, uh, we have not uh, received all the vaccine that were planned for COVAX. And even if all the vaccine was planned, the maximum was 20%. And the African Union is helping to distribute some vaccines. But all in all, he says, it's not enough. It is very difficult in a pandemic like this, not only making people sick and killing people, but it is also impacting the health system in general. Many of the other diseases now are taking more force and attacking us more. The variant also are another factor we should take into consideration in this fight against COVID-19. But there is a little hope. South Africa started their vaccination with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Hours after the arrival of 80,000 doses of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine, South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, was one of the first to get the jab. And now the company says their vaccine protects against Delta. And the African continent may start making its own mRNA vaccine one day. Actually, there is a tech hub. The first one identified is in South Africa. And it's going to go through a whole process of learning, of developing the infrastructure. But don't expect vaccines right away. According to our estimate, this vaccine will not be on the field on the next 9 to 12 months. It's hard to know what could happen with the Delta variant or any variant in that time. Back in the U.S., Dr. Madad says that should be a reminder not to get too complacent. We need to be humble. We need to be nimble when it comes to this virus. Here in the United States, we still have many pockets, for example, in the Deep South, where there's many people that are unvaccinated. Especially children. Dr. Anthony Fauci at the National Institutes of Health warned Americans that the Delta variant is the greatest threat to eliminating COVID in the U.S., And he also warned the public about the specific threat to kids. It isn't that they are more susceptible, but this virus is a more transmissible virus. Therefore, children will more likely get infected. And at the same time, children have started going back to school and cases are skyrocketing. Kids are getting COVID. Parents are getting it from their kids. And for the U.S. population under 50, COVID cases are at their highest yet. 
In Mississippi Monday, not a single available intensive care bed. Dozens of hospitals in Texas ran out of space. And in the entire state of Arkansas, just eight beds left as COVID cases soar. In Indonesia, less than 20% of the population is vaccinated, and they're seeing an increase in child deaths. Many children contract the virus from family members. People said children not affected and children couldn't die. But right now, we have a lot of children die. Back in New York, Dr. Madad has concerns, even about her own family. So Hassan, you're five years old. Tell me about how we protect ourselves against the virus. We wear a mask, we wash hands, and we don't and we go and we don't go to places where we have a lot of people. That's right. Children are still vulnerable, and because now they're making up more of the bulk number of cases of new infections because we don't have a vaccine for those under the age of 12, that it is very concerning. I myself am a mother of three children under the age of eight. Obviously, all three are unvaccinated. And we are still wearing a mask. We're still avoiding crowded spaces, mixed gatherings because of our children. I'm going to continue to do these public health measures until I know that we're able to get the pandemic under control around the world. When there's a vaccine for your age, would you want to get it? Yes, right away. So we don't get sick and we don't have to wear a mask. But we do have to for a little bit, and then we don't have to. Yeah. Now things are a little bit better, but we hope that all around the world the virus goes away, right? I hope for the virus goes away. All around the world. All around the world. Yeah. So, of course, we've done multiple stories on the pandemic, and it seems like with every story we do, the same problem keeps rising to the surface, and that is inequality of access to care, and now inequality of access to vaccines, and then the deadly effects of that. So we started this conversation looking at the warnings via Hollywood movies and outbreak, things like that. And then the warnings that you and your team and other scientists like you were making before the pandemic hit. Fast forward to where we are now. Do you think that the world has learned its lesson about the consequences of being prepared, about the consequences of unequal access? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And this is a question I got during the Ebola outbreak. This is a question I got during Zika. And all of these should have served as wake-up calls for everybody, for all nations. And I am certainly concerned that... This current wake-up call that we have with the COVID-19 pandemic, it may not be heard loud enough. We need to work on other countries, because as we've seen with this current pandemic we're in, it just takes that one person to start an outbreak. We need to work better, and we need to make sure that the resource-rich countries are able to hold the hands of other countries and build their infrastructure. We need a public health and healthcare renaissance, not just in this country, but in all countries around the world. And as someone who has studied infectious diseases for so long and has has worked with so many of them, how are you doing? Thank you for asking that question. I feel like it's probably one of the first times when people have or someone has asked, how are you doing and how have you been coping? I think right now the way that I'm feeling, you know, it's that fear feeling that I still have and anxiety. I'm seeing what's happening around the world. And I know that we, again, live in a country that's super globalized and that we need to look better outside our borders and do more. 
Remember, this conversation with Dr. Madad took place back in June. And since then, she's been spending the summer writing a back-to-school pandemic toolbox with Harvard University's Kennedy School. We'll link to it on Twitter at AJTheTake. It's different tips to keep kids and their families safe. Tips like making sure family members who can be vaccinated are vaccinated, testing regularly, encouraging kids to use high-quality masks, an N95 or KN95 if possible, and making sure they have an extra mask if they need it. Dr. Madad says children are now dying because of Delta's spread. It shouldn't be this way. You know, one child death is unacceptable. And when you're seeing multiple children die from a preventable illness now, I mean, it's not just a red flag. It is just, you know, um, as a parent myself, it is heartbreaking. What I see what's happening in Indonesia, what I see what's happening in Oman, which had a substantial surge of infections. If we're seeing what's happening around the world, it's a roller coaster. Cases are going up, cases are going down. And this is what we're going to continuously see on an ongoing basis until we have much more immunity from this virus around the world. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters, with Dina Kispe, Priyanka Tilvey, Nagin Oliai, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, Ruby Zaman, and me, Malika Bilal. Our story editor is Tom Fenton. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Our engagement producer is Aya El-Milek, and our executive producer is Stacey Samuel. You can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AJTheTake. We'll be back 